Parenting teens is hard. Parenting teens in crisis is even harder. And we live in a culture that is really good at hiding. See, we keep these struggles tucked in really tight around us. And so when something happens in our families that's tough and maybe even a little embarrassing, we feel like we're all alone. I promise you that you're not. But you definitely need a place where you can be a part of honest conversations that give a voice to the challenges you are facing. A place that normalizes the hard that we have to walk through with our teens. So I'm inviting you to join us on this path towards healing, where we'll discuss topics that drive out shame and teach us how to navigate the emotions and uncertainty that come with parenting a teenager in crisis. This twice-monthly podcast is presented by Pathways to Hope Network, and we strive to do all of that while honoring the unyielding love a mother has for her child. Hello, I am so glad you're here making time for yourself today. Life is certainly not easy, and we have enough worries and concerns over our teens to keep our minds preoccupied for weeks and months. Choosing to listen today is just one more example of the countless ways that you show up for your family. But what I love about this community so much is that we're also at a place where we recognize that showing up for ourselves is one of the best ways that we can also show up for them. It's like the ultimate two-for-one deal. Lord knows that we do not get this perfect. In fact, the majority of moms raising teenagers today worry that they are somehow failing their child in their response to the areas of struggle in their teen's life. I think that's one of the reasons this show has been resonating with so many people because so many of us feel this way and yet very few of us actually talk about it. One of the coolest things that came out of this work that I do with families is that I am blessed with an opportunity to make genuine connections with complete strangers very quickly. And I'm not just talking about on the podcast. I also mean with other parents at my children's schools, at church, at the coffee shop, pretty much everywhere I go. I am someone who, and I've probably talked about this before, actually considers myself an introvert. And I know that may seem like a direct contradiction with someone who has a podcast, but it's true. I've always been someone more comfortable at home, in the comforts of my own surrounding with my best friend, who we joke had to go through a 15-year vetting process before I ever invited her over to my house. You know, I think part of the reason for that is because somewhere inside me, there has always been a part of me that has worried that if people knew the real me, the, the me who struggles with feeling inadequate, who second guesses herself constantly, the me who fears rejection and abandonment, that they wouldn't want to stick around. If people knew our family and the things we've struggled with, the scars of cutting and substance use and broken homes, the stories that come with us that are woven into the fabric of who we are today and, dare I say, better for them. If people knew those things, they would never 
really accept me. This work in my life changed that. It changed all of that because now when someone asks me, what do you do? Which is one of the first questions asked when you meet someone. And I tell them that I walk beside families with teens in crisis as they navigate you know, all the emotions and complexities involved with that process, they always want to next know, oh, well, how did you get involved in that? I used to really struggle with this question, you know? How do you answer that question without being completely vulnerable to the judgment of others? You know, how do you talk about the hard when you still haven't healed from it? I think that little piece of the puzzle was the one thing that I struggled with the longest. And what I never could have imagined was that talking about the hard was the very thing that would actually heal me. See, for so long, I waited for the healing to come first. I thought to myself, once I'm healed, then I'll be able to talk about it. But God had a different plan. My healing depended first on me being willing to be scared, no, terrified of judgment and to do it anyway. It took a long time for me to get here. It's really easy to listen to somebody on a podcast and think like, oh, they just started this up and and now look, it's up and running and they know what they're doing. And no, what you don't see or what you're not witness to whether it's somebody on the podcast, somebody on the radio, or somebody on TV, or somebody going and speaking at an event that you encounter, is that they went through an entire healing journey before they ever got to the place where they were able to talk in front of you. Trust me, this was not an overnight transformation. It happened a little at a time. It took years, in fact, for me to accept that my story was not a story of shame, but a story of courage. It was not a story of failure, but a story of perseverance. My story, and I'll even boldly say your story, is not a story of struggle, but a story of overcoming. And one of the coolest things that happens when you shift your thinking about that and can find the courage to talk to other people about what you're struggling with is that you immediately give them permission to do the same. Our teen son goes to a private Catholic high school. That's a decision my husband and I made after we had older children attend public school and kind of encountered some struggles along the way. Now, I'm in no way alluding to the fact that all the challenges we experienced were a result of the public school system. Many were not even school-related, but we decided to try something a little different. Coming into the public school environment, I felt even more inadequate. I imagined this school being filled with perfect parents, with perfect children who led perfect lives, and I isolated myself even more. You know, I I avoided small talk at pickup. I tried to dodge requests for playdates when my son was younger because I didn't want to deal with feeling once again like if people knew, really knew our struggles, that we'd face judgment and ridicule and shame. And this work changed that for me. 
the talking came before the healing. Today, I don't wrestle with those feelings. I never imagined having freedom from that. But I don't. I, I don't worry about what people will think anymore because I know the truth. I know that whatever someone might say about me as a mom, I'm also a mom who doesn't give up on her kids. I know that whatever they might think about my kids, my kids are doing their best to figure out their way in this world, regardless of any judgments myself or anyone else might make on what their best looks like. I'm not afraid to be honest anymore because now I see honesty as a gift. I see honesty as permission someone else might really need to look at their own reality and view it in the same way. We are all just doing our best, even when our best looks messy, to figure out how to get it right. My son is a senior this year, and everyone's favorite topic right now is, what's he going to do next? Oh, for the love. The pressure that we put on these kids to have their future figured out by the time they graduate high school is ridiculous. They've been driving for what, two years? Likely working for less than that, and we're worried about which school they want to drop 40 grand on the conservative end, 40 grand on the conservative end, and 200,000 on the high end to invest in a career they know absolutely nothing about? Can we not? I always chuckle a little inside when someone asks me what Noah's plans are because I know that they are not expecting my answer. Noah's plans right now are to pass first semester, hopefully successfully pass second semester, graduate, and then figure it out. There's a million different things that could go sideways between now and then, so he's taking things one day at a time. Oh yeah, they say, for sure. What's he planning to do after graduation? And this is where I get a big smile on my face. I look them straight in the eye and say, um, no clue. But we're confident he'll figure it out. Because you know what? He will. And that's not to say that I don't struggle with my own tendency to micromanage and dig and pry and obsess over what's next for him. I am constantly having to keep that in check. We all know that as parents, we like a plan. But I've learned to be okay at not knowing and trusting that it's all going to work out. Because it will. Will it be challenging? Require hard lessons? Have peaks and valleys? Of course it will. But it'll be okay. It will be okay because I will be there at home base to remind him every step of the way who he is and what he has to offer this world. But if I try to lace up my cleats and run the bases with him, obsessing about every move he makes, guess who won't be at home base when he strikes out and gets the courage to get back up to bat? And you know what happens when I respond in this way to parents? The person that I'm talking to lets out a heavy sigh and finds a point of connection with me. Because every parent even private Catholic high school parents, 
are still worried about their child and the decisions they're making. It's normal. I'm normal. You're normal. Our kids struggling in whatever capacity that might look like is normal for their past, their experiences, their world that they're growing up in, their perspectives. It's all normal. So because we are talking today about stories, I wanted to share a few stories with you. See, I could tell you stories about women I've met with in coffee shops whose hearts were breaking because they didn't know how to even begin fixing what felt so broken in their families. Or about the women whose footprints can be found along the trails of our local parks where we've walked together as they've tried to make their way out of the woods. Or the mama whose tears mixed with rain as we sat crisscross applesauce on the dock by a lake because being wet and cold were a welcome distraction from being lost. I could tell you about the moms from all over the United States who have joined one of our online workshops with strangers and left with friends. I could tell you about every hug I received in the courtroom, every email, every card, every countless thank you that came from another mama just like you who was so grateful to have felt seen or heard. I could share each and every one of those stories with you and nothing would even come close to you hearing about this journey from them. It takes tremendous courage to share your heart with someone. Tremendous courage. And when I reached out to these moms to ask if they would be willing to allow me to interview them and share their stories without hesitation, they all said yes. Even though they felt incredibly vulnerable, even though they were scared, even though it was so hard to go back to those moments of heartache and pain, they were willing. And that, that my friends, perfectly captures what it feels like to be a mom of a teen in crisis. Vulnerable, scared, heartbroken, and willing. What I'm going to play for you next captures the daily sacrifices, tireless efforts, and boundless strength of mothers who show up, no matter the struggles. I invite you to listen to these amazing moms, moms like you, who are each navigating the tumultuous terrains of parenting teenagers with grace and determination. And as you listen, think about the way that you connect with their emotions, their stories, their grief, their hope. And to these three women who I'm sure are listening today, thank you again for sharing this gift with our community. I tell you all the time, but I'm so unbelievably proud of you. You inspire me daily. I pictured Friday night football games cheering my kiddo on the picture perfect Facebook with the first homecoming pictures 
star of the football team and I'd be, you know, the basic, you know what, in the stands with the cute crafted football outfits and Starbucks pumpkin spice latte in hand. I thought I'd be friends with all the other moms and we would take turns driving to practices. And I thought that I would be fighting for my kiddo in the field and in the school advocating for new adventures and experiences, exploring the role of a parent of a child in high school instead of in crisis. I I thought this is gonna be so, um, it's gonna be so good because she's gonna have me and I'm gonna have her. And um, little did I know that all of that changes, it completely changes. I really pictured um, a cohesive family, you know, going to sporting events together and enjoying family vacations and really just doing everything together. Instead of all of the worry and doubts that fill us now, but. The, the moment that everything shifted, my whole, like, it's like the rug is pulled out from under you. There was no up or down. There was no breath. That for me was like the shifting moment and nothing has been the same since those words were spoken from the cop just kind of guts you. I don't know. Out of control emotionally. Just my worst nightmare coming true. And it just coming out of left field. People judging me. People judging her. What they would say. I was morti mortified. Mortified that this was actually happening to my daughter who was straight A's, wants to be a doctor, and this is like polar opposite. I didn't know what to do. Couldn't wrap my head around it. I don't know, I was angry, desperate, and hopeless, and scared, and, and frustrated, and fear turns into control. Just not knowing how to turn this around and stop it before it gets even worse. That was my biggest nightmare. It's hard. I, I think, you know, in our situation, I, I just realized that it was bigger than me, that it wasn't something that I could protect or handle myself. I knew that because of the decisions he made, that it was beyond me. And there were other family members in our web of families that this decision would impact. and. That was a really difficult decision. You know, I didn't know if they were gonna take my kid away that evening or, you know, what was going to transpire, but that was hard. And something that I still kind of think about today. That was difficult. You know, even a police officer in our that came to our house that day asked me, well, why did you call the police? And to myself, I was like, what? I mean, I've, I, I was questioning now every decision I had made, like, should I have, you know? And... How I felt at the time was complete and utter devastation. There's not a feeling that compares. 
I can't say that I've experienced something in my life that I could even set next to this feeling and have it even be on the same shelf. And you can't go back. You can't have that life. And I think that's where the grief comes in because you're grieving a life that you wanted, had, were experiencing. And you you do want it. You want it so bad. You wish you could, but you just can't. The only way to face this is to go through that path. You walk into the dark woods and you keep going and you don't stop until you get to the end. I'm not at the end of my path yet, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And when you see those little glimpses of light, you hold on to those. But then it never really got patched up because I didn't know what I was doing. So then the next thing happened and it was like a layer on top of the first thing. And then the next thing, a layer on top. And then you're just, it's out of control. And it's not a conscious thing. It's all hindsight. I look back, right? And you think, how did we end up here? How? But it's because of all those little things that weren't really dealt with, resolved or handled in the right way on a relationship level between her and I. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the hardest part for this has been my handling of emotions and accepting what we thought life would be and handling what we're going through now and really working through my own, my own issues. And I think that's really the, the hardest part is realizing how much work I have to do for myself to be successful to support my kid. If you can't take a deep breath in the moment and zero in, it'll crush you. Absolutely crush you. And I was there. I was crushed. I'm still here, you know? I think the biggest thing that I deal with is the shame that I carry. Not it is really hard to talk about it or admit what our family is going through. And I still have younger children and a job to do, so I still have to get up and act like everything's okay because our younger kids don't know, you know, fully what's going on. So I think that that is um, a line that I have a hard time with a lot is keeping consistent and going on while still juggling all of the high emotions that we're going through. I feel um, we're still in the midst of all of this stuff still, and it changes daily. You think you got a handle on something, and then the next day something gets thrown at you. You have a great conversation, two days later, you're not knocked out, three notches, it feels like. And so what I feel, how I personally feel, where I am right now, is I feel hope. I feel hopeful because I feel like now I have um, this insight in these tools and it is a spoonful at a time that I'm making those little changes. And I know she sees them. I know she does because I see them. I'm conscious now. I was parent unconsciously.
I understand how parents give up and stop. I can get why that's so easy to do. And that's why it's so amazing that you do what you do because reaching that hand over and, and saying, I got you is sometimes the only way some people can get through because they don't have the tools. Honestly, a lot of your work has really impacted me. So everything from just the basic self-care to journaling to learning what's mine and, and you know what's his and that has been really powerful and really centering. A lot of breathing, learning just a lot about myself and the things that I need to keep me going. So I'm indebted to you for your podcast and your work because it's just that simple voice in your head to keep your train going, you know? Out of all the years of counseling that I've done on my own, that I've done with my kids, this is the first time in my life that this, this is different. I don't know. It's just the accountability. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want that relationship? That's all my focus is on, is I want a healthy relationship with all three of my kids. I went through two years of zero support system, and that includes my child's PCP, his doctors, that were like, here's a list call, and I did hundreds of calls can't take him can't do it can't have it da, 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 right so I've gone through almost two years of zero support and I've gone through what a month and that one month supersedes all two years of doing it by myself it is the only thing that will get you through that path period there I there's no question in my mind if you do this by yourself you lose parts of yourself that could become beautiful things after It's completely transformed the whole dynamic. Is it perfect? There's no way. Is it hard every day? Every day. But every day, I try, I try. And yep, you screw up. Yep, you say, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't do that right. But every day I have the wherewithal and the consciousness of saying, I'm gonna do this different. I'm gonna do it different and sit back and watch the results. Every day, Angie, little things happen and I do the right thing and inside I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, that did not turn into something. I did that right every single day. I would say the most important thing for a parent to have is somebody to talk through those hard things with to help you understand and process or maybe even just to listen. Going through it alone is is really complicated. I think once we were able to connect, it really provided so much clarity and, and I'm so glad I didn't continue this battle alone. It's authentic and this is real and you can't put a price on changing a family's life. It's so monumental. Every day I think, how would this land up in my lap? How? It's life changing because I was, I was scared to death. 
I can say it best as like a hug without touching me, you know, um, in the moment that you approached me in the courtroom was just shortly after my son had been convicted and given his sentence. And in that moment, my heart was just shattering for my kid. In that moment, I felt so much pain and emotion and I didn't know who you were. You came from the other side of the courtroom, which immediately put huge barriers around me. But you handed me a card and you wrapped your arm around me and I, I think you said it was gonna be okay. Or, but I really think you were put there with a purpose because as my, as my heart was shattering, here comes Angie just to pick up my pieces and tell me it's gonna be okay. I have that letter to this day and still keep your cards and that was such a comforting moment for uh, for me and a moment that I didn't really even know I needed and to have you there. I, I wish that for every parent who has a child struggling. Thank you to the supporters of Pathways. You make an impact in our lives and allow Angie to support our families during this time. Thank you so much. This is just out of my mouth to your ears. This is just a huge, huge, huge blessing and gift to to myself and to anyone else. It's it's bigger than you realize. Oh my gosh, so good, right? Oh, every time I listen to it, I'm just so thankful that God crossed my path with theirs. What amazing, amazing mothers. Mothers just like you. That audio compilation was a compilation that I did uh, back in November for an event, a fundraising event that we did for our nonprofit Pathways to Hope Network. In fact, this, this podcast and our nonprofit Pathways to Hope Network was born from the challenges and struggles that I experienced in my family. Challenges that I used to look at with shame. Challenges that echoed my failure as a parent. Challenges that I allowed to tell me a story about who I was, who my children are, and who our family is. And I think one of the most unexpected blessings that came from this endeavor to offer hope to other families is that through this process, I've been able to change the story that I had been telling myself. And amidst the broken pieces, something remarkable happened. God took my brokenness, infused it with value, and used it as a vessel for healing, not just for me, but for my family and for countless others who have walked this same challenging path with their teens. See, in normalizing the struggles of others, I unknowingly normalized it for myself. In 
our moments of struggle, it's easy to believe that there's something inherently flawed within ourselves or our families. Yet the profound truth is that struggle is an inescapable circumstance of life. Struggle is a teacher, not a verdict. These experiences, you guys, that we're facing, these experiences have the power to either shatter our hearts or serve as an extraordinary opportunity. An opportunity for you, Mama, to embrace love, to grow beyond your perceived limits, and to unveil the parts of yourself that sparkle and the parts of yourself that yearn for refinement. See, within each challenge that we face with our teens lies a map that's leading us to compassion. It's a journey that reveals the depths of our humanity, of our child's humanity. It's a chance to illustrate a desire that each one of us has in our hearts, that I have in my heart, that you have in your heart, that our teens have in their hearts, that our worthiness of love would always, always transcend the complexities of our choices and behaviors. Sis, in all of the messiness of your situation, never, ever forget that your story is one of the greatest treasures you hold because your story has the power to heal. Okay, friends, well, that wraps it up for this week. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way. In complete transparency, I want you to know that I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert in the field of parenting. Nope, you are not going to find any fancy initials after my name. In fact, I'm just a mom like you who had to navigate some really tough experiences with my teenage kids. And in my own desperate need for hope and healing. I've spent a lot of time and energy researching and referencing all the things because if there is one thing I have learned, it's that we're stronger together. Your ratings and reviews mean so much to me. In fact, they can make or break a podcast. So if you found this information today helpful, would you please take 60 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review? It would mean so much to me and the mama who hasn't found us yet. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website and be sure to subscribe. At the beginning of every week, I send out Hope Notes, a note of encouragement designed to equip you on your path towards hope and healing. You can also find Pathways to Hope Network on Facebook and Instagram. Pathways to Hope Network is a nonprofit organization with a mission to serve families with teens in crisis by providing cost-free support, resources, and community. The link will always be in the show notes below. Remember, you are never meant to go through this alone.